After the incident of the Bite of 83, whether it was the direct instance, one of the numerous faults of safety, or just by happenstance, Phasma Entertainment's image had taken a toll. A toll so large that the company decides to retire the Springlock suits, including the characters of Fred Bear and Spring Bonnie. Two years later after that, in 1985, the restaurant business was put out of commission entirely due to the missing children's incident until its eventual revival in 1987. While the restaurants were closed down, it left a gap in the market for childhood entertainment. Freddy Fazbear's Pizza was really successful during its golden era, but not intended. It had merchandise and branding that could rival the early Walt Disney Corporation, which doesn't go unnoticed by business investors. To fill the void left by Fazbear Entertainment, a company known as Afton Robotics LLC began the development of a brand new high-end animatronic line known as the Funtime Animatronics of Circus Baby's Pizza World. Designed after the model of clowns from a circus because bipedal humanoid animal hybrid robots were totally not creepy and uncanny enough, these robots were built to be the most advanced robots of their time. Just one of their animatronics was equipped with so many unique features that they could give the same level of entertainment that an entire quartet that Freddy Fazbear could offer. They were even built with optimized artificial intelligence, capable of reacting more lifelike than the animatronics of old. Instead of a springlock suit just simply following the sound of children, the Funtime animatronics could complete the command if asked by a child. Described as where family fun and interactivity go beyond anything you've seen at those other pizza places, the pizzeria's main mascot and figurehead was Circus Baby, a large, eight-foot robot with a wardrobe reminiscent of a jester. Accompanying her were her bandmates, Ballora, the Bitty Babs, Funtime Foxy, Funtime Freddy, and his hand puppet Bon Bon. Yes, Freddy, Foxy, and Bonnie's likeness are used for this restaurant's animatronic band. Now, while this is unconfirmed, to me the screams at Fastman Entertainment was, at the very least, a large investor in Afton Robotics. Large enough that they could get their characters as part of the act, despite the bad press that surrounded them. I mean, don't you think that if they were here to fill the void of Fastman Entertainment at the company's lowest point in public relations, would they really advocate using their competitors' characters? Why take that risk? Well, maybe. That may actually be what happened. What if I told you the owner of Acton Robotics was also the co-founder of Phasma Entertainment? Well, it's true. The man in question is named William Afton, a bright and charismatic man of British descent or at the very least heritage. He has been with the brand before even Freddy Fazbear was a thing, co-founding it with his partner and friend Henry Emily back when it was just Fredbear's family diner. Regardless of whether or not it was just from nostalgia or loyalty to the Fazbear brand from William, Fazbear Entertainment's decision-making as a whole, or perhaps an attempt at acquisition by Athen Robotics' part, the cares of the previous Freddy Fazbear's band were used for this one. Although they weren't exactly the same, Foxy was no longer a pirate with red fur, but a white fox with pink highlights and feminine qualities. Bonnie had a high-pitched feminine voice as well, 
while Freddy also took a more arctical look, albeit with purple highlights. And of course, they all had clown-like features. All was set for the grand opening of the restaurant when the doors of the pizzeria finally opened. The rooms were filled with the sound of excited children screaming in euphoric joy. Kids and grown-ups alike were filled with awe of the advanced robotic entertainers. Blora twirled with her mini arenas while singing songs. While Funda, Freddy, and Foxy would entertain children with comedy and gags. And there was a sea of people waiting to see the main act. Circus Baby herself. Everyone was thrilled to see her. But maybe no one happier than Elizabeth Afton. William Afton's daughter. Elizabeth was exhilarated to finally see the robots. Her father had talked about them all the time. But she was most excited to see Circus Baby. She was her absolute favorite. Conan even told her he made babies specifically for her. She thought it was so pretty and shiny, and she just wanted to get close and watch her show. But strangely, William refused to let her get near. She kept pleading with her father, but he would not budge. Eventually, her father became so preoccupied that she was able to slip away from him and see her favorite robot. She passed by some of the children in Circus Baby's showroom while getting to her, but she was finally able to get close to her. Daddy isn't watching. Don't tell Daddy that I'm here. I wanted to watch your show too. I don't know why he won't let me come see you. You're wonderful. Where did the other children go? After Elizabeth's disappearance, Circus Baby's Pizza World was shut down after its first day in business. Whether through the need of financial necessity or just to build confidence in the brand's future, Fazbear Entertainment began to take more and more control of Circus Baby's Pizza World. At least through subtext, that seems to be what is implied. Fazbear Entertainment wouldn't have direct oversights, but they would have a say on the decision-making process over all aspects of the brand while Lapton Robotics would still continue with the robotic storage, maintenance, and development. After an unknown period of time of rebuilding, a grand reopening was considered for Circus Babies. A new location was chosen, animatronics and technical equipment were pulled from storage and transferred, and all seemed right for reopening. But Fazbear Entertainment is involved, and they have a track record of trustworthiness and the level of the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher in Hogwarts, so disaster was not bound to happen, it was foretold. Sure enough, the restaurant's opening was cancelled after reports of a gas leak in the building. This gas leak was documented and even reported by the local paper of the area. Quote, In other news, the grand opening of Circus Baby's Pizza has been cancelled due to the reported gas leaks in the building. Sources close to the establishment question the report, saying that strange activity around the area at night suggests something else is to blame. One local is quoted as saying, Everything just stopped. There was so much excitement built around this place opening, and then they just stopped talking about it. There's only a handful of people that ever got a look at the inside, 
kitchen here and there. Make sure everything works right, you know. I guess they weren't quite as ready as they thought they were. A tenant from across the street claims to have witnessed a large group of cars surrounding the building during the night and a large piece of equipment being taken out of the building under tarps. A few weeks later, the building was for sale. There was no comment yet from the local entrepreneur who financed the venture. End quote. Now, I don't think I need to tell you that this reeks of a cover-up. A bunch of cars unloading and packing away everything at night, where there are fewer witnesses, and every employee and higher-up just stopped talking about its construction and it even being a thing. They didn't even leave the building and its wares to rot as they did to Fred Bears at the Springlock instance or the original gang of the missing children's incident. Whatever was going on was enough that they had to make sure nothing made it back to the public eye. What could be so damning that they had to be sure nothing was left of Circus Babies completely overnight? After the closing of Circus Baby's Pizza World, Fastman Entertainment, in an uncharacteristic act of due diligence, decided to re-examine their star entertainment. The funding animatronics were advanced for their time, they are more advanced than even the toy animatronics line in 1987. It was important that no error or mistakes could be made this time, considering the cost of failure would be the death sentence for the entire business. After their examination, the board of Fastman Entertainment called up William Afton to discuss the matter of their new robots. After Robotics Board Member Meeting Title William Afton Senior Hearing David There's no doubting what you've achieved on a technical level. These are clearly state-of-the-art. There are just certain design choices that were made for these robots that we don't fully understand. We were hoping that you could shed some light on those. She can dance. She can sing. She's equipped with a built-in helium tank for inflating balloons right at her fingertips. She can take song requests. She can even dispense ice cream. With all due respect, those aren't the design choices we were curious about, Mr. Afton. This is episode six. There was never just one. After the board meeting, we are unsure what the board's conclusion was for William, but given William's tone, I think it is evident that he knew more than he wanted to let on. With the potential severity of these robots' designs possibly leading to Elizabeth's disappearance, I highly doubt that the board wanted anything to do with William, and, as a way to eliminate the problem and save face, probably voted him into motion for William to be relieved of his position as CAO. Regardless of how they did it, William was no longer able to make decisions on the company level. Fast Entertainment, as a result, began to take more control over the brand. Eventually, after locating all of the Athen robotic assets into storage, they had to find a new way to find revenue. They eventually settled on an unconventional idea of allowing their animatronics to be rented out for parties during the day, instead of having a standard pizzeria where they are permanently located. They also chose to rename the brand in accordance with their provided service, renaming the brand 
Circus Babies Entertainment and Rentals. The animatronics would entertain children during the day, while maintenance would be routinely performed on all their electronic assets during the night. A night technician must be routinely hired to perform maintenance to ensure that the robotic entertainers will be able to perform again the next day. And true Fastman Entertainment fashion, the level of tech savviness of the technician is not specified and is heavily hinted to not even be required for the job. Now, for us, this is to be expected from Fastman Entertainment. Disregarding safety precautions and employee welfare is basically part of the brain at this point. It's it's like Chick-fil-A having amazing customer service. It would feel like a wrong experience without it. But let's just say simply cutting corners is just the tip of the iceberg of this location. It is here at night we find our newest night technician, named Mike. You may recognize this man as the older brother wearing the foxy mask in Finance Friends 4. The older brother who, accidentally, in a prank gone wrong, killed his younger brother by getting his head crushed in a Fredbear's springlock jaw. If you haven't listened to our fourth episode, Tomorrow's Another Day, I highly recommend you give it a listen before diving into this. It'll explain all the necessary backstory you will need about Michael, as well as give you some much-needed information before getting into this story. For one reason or another, Mike has taken a job as a night technician at Circus Babes Entertainment and Rentals, or Seabear for short. The facility requires an elevator to get in, as the entire robotics factory is underground. Yes, underground. Or, at the very least, they store the robots deep below the surface, away from the public eye. Low-level employees, such as repairmen, enter the facility through a secondary service elevator, whereas more prominent employees, such as maintenance workers like Michael, enter the facility from the primary elevator. While waiting on the long elevator Michael is introduced to his supervisor over the loudspeaker. Only the voice on the other end isn't human. Welcome to the first day of your exciting new career. Whether you were approached at a job fair, read our ad in screws, bolts, and hairpins, or if this is the result of a dare, we welcome you. I will be your personal guide to help you get started. I'm a Model 5 of the Handyman's Robotics and Unit Repair System, but you can call me Hand Unit. Your new career promises challenge, intrigue, and endless janitorial opportunities. As he is talking, Hanyu's primary tablet flips in front of Michael. Please enter your name as seen above the keypad. This cannot be changed later, so please be careful. Michael tries to comply with Hanyu's request, but the panel is glitching frequently. Every single time he goes for a key on the touchpad, the letters jump halfway across the screen. It seems that you had some trouble with the keypad. I see what you were trying to type, and I will auto-correct it for you. One moment. Welcome, Eggs Benedict. You know, it, it says something that a robot that messes up that badly and conveys just how reliable they are going to be in such a short span of time can somehow instill much more confidence in me as a guide and ally than Phone Guy ever could in three games. Once the elevator reaches the bottom floor, Michael begins his shift only to notice the circus baby is... Not up to code is a lax phrase to describe it. 
Circus Baby Entertainment and Rentals is run down and decrepit. Metal walls surround every corner. Every exit was locked behind steel doors that opened with sluggish groans. Every exit was locked behind steel doors that opened with sluggish groans. The location often never had any proper lighting, requiring Michael to use his flashlight just to see right in front of him. It was damp and probably reeked foul odor of mold, sweat, and blood. When the elevator doors opened for Michael, he was not faced with a hallway, but a ventilation shaft covered in police tape. Circus Babies was a network of rooms kept in mainly by these ventilation shafts. From the main elevator, the ventilation shaft leads to the primary control module, a small claustrophobic crawl space that acts as his office. Despite being a building meant for storage and repair, the entire establishment behaved more like a vile zoo. Instead of being locked in containers, each robot had its own specific room associated with them, each linked to the primary control module, of course. To the west lies Blore Gallery, which tells Blore and her small, dancing companions the mini arenas. Blore has a design aesthetic of that of a ballerina, and, with the exception of Balloon Boy, perhaps, is the most humanoid robot in the series, as she is not based on a bipedal animal, and her proportions are, well, normal. To the east of the primary control module lies Funtime Auditorium, where the Fast Entertainment brand characters reside. Specifically, Funtime Foxy and Funtime Freddy. But when Michael arrived, only Funtime Foxy was inside the Funtime Auditorium. Michael wasn't given an explanation, and Hand Unit doesn't provide an answer as to why he currently isn't here. Finally, in the north, is the Circus Gallery. There, the star of the band, Circus Baby, as well as her small robotic helpers, the Bitty Babs, reside. The Bay Babs are small, toy-like robots that resemble babies and small children, for reference. As part of Michael's daily routine, he is tasked with checking on the status of the robots. One would expect a technician to perform some light maintenance, as well as endure some discomfort, as every room is linked by a ventilation shaft. But Hannah chimes in on what an Afton Robotics maintenance crew member should do in this scenario. View the window to your left. This is the Ballora Gallery party room and dance studio, encouraging kids to get fit and enjoy pizza. Let's turn on the light and see if Ballora is on stage. Press the blue button on the elevated keypad to your left. Uh-oh, it looks like Ballora doesn't feel like dancing. Let's give her some motivation. Press the red button now to administer a controlled shock. Maybe that will put the spring back in her step. Let's check the light again. Excellent. Ballora is feeling like her old self again and will be ready to perform again tomorrow. As I said, this place operates not like a factory, but a zoo. Michael is tasked with repeating the same actions to fund Foxy until he, like Ballora, gets back on their stage and starts performing again. He's less of a technician and more of a ringmaster of a twisted carnival whipping the animals back to work. For what reason these robots need to be left on or be forced into submission is unknown, but one can't deny the effect that these shocks feel cruel, even if the recipient may be unfeeling. 
After being the same towards the circus baby, Michael is allowed to leave the facility and clock out for the night. But as he moves back to the vents, his heart skips a beat as he hears the bashing of steel doors and circus as if something was trying to get inside. When Michael Afton finishes up his shift every night, he returns to his home to relax. Now, how do you think Michael would relax? Someone who was so brash and arrogant in his youth, you probably expect him to relax by watching a movie or playing video games. Well, no. Surprisingly, Michael simply makes himself a massive bowl of popcorn, sits down in an easy chair, and begins to watch cartoon soap operas. And he is a dedicated soap opera viewer. Every night he tunes in to see the next episode. And every night he always makes sure to make himself a brand new giant bowl of popcorn. This is something that becomes more apparent in the book, The Survival Logbook, where the general characterization of Michael is that of one with a childlike sense of humor. He watches cartoons, but he also is a skilled artist. It makes funny mock-up doodles. The mindset can more than likely be traced back to his childhood, which we get a glimpse of in FNAF 4. The soap opera Michael is a fan of is a show called The Immortal and the Restless. A story that involves a vampire who wears a purple suit, fighting with his ex-wife about their child. Vlad, the vampire, claims that the baby isn't his, however Clara, the ex-lover, Counters that the baby is literally a smaller version of him in every way possible. From turning milk into powder, and sleeping upside down. Vlad doesn't believe it and constantly fights Clara. Leading to a stalemate cliffhanger at the end of every episode. Now this story is important right now, but keep this show in mind for part two. Another chapter in the saga of love lost between Vlad and his distressed mistress. Can they be reconciled? Can their love rise again? That and more happening now. Tonight's episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is an incredible mobile game that lets you take command of your own team of your favorite Marvel superheroes and villains to take on interdimensional threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse in an action-packed turn-based squad tactic RPG extravaganza. Embark on an extensive campaign, completing challenging missions as you fight your way through the expansive Marvel Universe, collect valuable loot, enhance the powers of your favorite characters, and level up to acquire new gear, unlock formidable attacks and abilities, and customize your characters with costumes inspired by the most infamous storylines. Did that get your attention? As we speak, Marvel Strike Force is celebrating its six-year anniversary. But here's the real kicker. New users signing up through our link and using the promo code MAXPOOL get an exclusive treat. You'll instantly add the Merc with the Mouth Deadpool to your roster, complete with character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, and gear. Also, please note that these sponsorships help support the production and the hours we put into creating content for you. So downloading this game, using the link in the description, and giving it a try would help out this podcast immensely. The game is free, and using the code MAXPOOL gets you a ton of free starting loot, so you got nothing but to gain for giving the game a try right now. Thank you once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome back for another night of intellectual stimulation, pivotal career choices, and self-reflection on past mistakes. We're committed to creating a unique and fulfilling work experience. One part of that commitment is ensuring that you don't get tired of the voice that you're hearing right now. Using the keypad below, please select a new companion voice. For male, press 1. For female, press 2. For text only, press 3. For other options, press 4. It seems that you had some trouble with the keypad. I see what you were trying to type and I will auto-correct it for you. Thank you for choosing Angsty Teen. The elevator stopped. You know the routine. You can get out now or whatever. Stay here if you want. See, I could have skipped handing this introduction dialogue, but I have been mad at myself if we skip this dialogue gold each night, and I can only imagine Michael's chagrin at the fact that this handy tablet, despite being digital, did not include numbers. As Michael begins his routine, he noticed a few oddities during the start of his shift such as Blower and Funnet Foxy staring to the primary control module window, and handing and glitching out and failing to give instructions from time to time. Great. Handing eventually reboots back to his default settings and seems to be back to his usual self. Michael, following his instructions, moves on to his last job for the day, checking on Circus Baby. As usual, Handyunit instructs Michael to electrocute her to get her back on the stage. But as Michael goes to push the button, he only receives an error noise. Handyunit responds that apparently it has to do with a power malfunction and that he will have to reboot the system so that you could probably give Circus Baby her motivation to get back on her stage. He also warns Michael that a facility-wide reboot will cause him to go momentarily offline, as well as shutting off security doors vent shutters, and oxygen. The circus gallery control module goes dead, and the mood becomes ominous. The room started to become colder, and the smell of odor probably evolved in the stench of dead meat, turning their room into one giant mute locker. The damp environment is reinforced by the faint sound of liquid dripping from the pipes. Small pitters of feet like the sounds of rats reverberate from the open vent doors. Michael begins to race a little faster to match the sound of the pittering feet. I don't recognize you. You are new. I remember this scenario, however. It's a strange thing to want to do, to come here. I'm curious what events would lead a person to want to spend their nights in a place like this. Willingly. Maybe curiosity? Maybe ignorance? There is a space under the desk. Someone before you crafted it into a hiding place, and it worked for him. I recommend that you hurry, though. You will be safe there. Just try not to make eye contact. 
It will be over soon. They will lose interest. That voice belonged to Circus Baby, but there was no time to think about that. Michael was in danger. He took heed of her advice and quickly darted the crawlspace beneath the desk. A small, hollowed-out shelf with a shutter one could pull from the inside to hide from view laid underneath. Darted everywhere on the shutter are holes from what I assume is both to peek out to see what's outside, and to get enough air inside for someone to hide for a prolonged period of time. After a moment, the sound of faint whispers started to emit from the vent shaft, and eventually, inside the room. The voices belong to the Bitty Babs. Someone is inside. Is it the same person? Multiple eyes stared back at Michael. The no, door no. begins to creep open ever so slightly with a creak. Michael reflexively slams the door back, only for his whereabouts to be further confirmed to the Bitty Babs outside. They began to pull harder. Michael struggles to pull back the door to keep him out. Eyes begin to cover every single hole from the drawer. Suddenly, Betty Bab stopped. She's watching us. We have to leave now. We will see you again soon. They gave a farewell to Michael before leaving him to catch his breath. When your guide comes back online, he is going to tell you that he was unsuccessful that you must restart the system manually. He will then tell you to crawl through Ballora Gallery as fast as you can to reach the breaker room. If you follow his instructions, you will die. Ballora will not return to her stage anymore. She will catch you. The power will be restored shortly. When you crawl through Ballora Gallery, go slowly. She cannot see you and can only listen for your movement. When you hear her music become louder, she is growing near, listening for you. Wait, and be still. Thank you for your patience. It seems that the power system cannot be restarted automatically. You will need to restart the power system manually. Please return to the primary control module. Michael begins crawling through the vents to get back to the primary control module. On his trek, Hanyard confirmed Baby's prediction. He does inform Michael that he should go fast and not disturb Ballora, rather than take it slow. Now, I want you to place yourself in Michael's position here. Turn back on the power, he has to re-enter Ballora Gallery, aka the room he just filled 15 minutes ago with 10,000 volts of electricity, which more than likely results in a peeved-off Ballora. Michael essentially has 50-50 odds on which guide, both of which are unreliable, gave him the correct advice. So, who would you pick? Hanunit has done nothing but confirm his unreliableness to Michael before starting his shift on the first night. He glitches and freaks out like a bad computer program, and he doesn't seem to care for the well-being of the human staff. But... Even if it's just his programming, he seems to care at least for fast entertainment assets. I doubt he would give Michael incorrect advice if it meant the security of fast entertainment's property. 
compared to Circus Baby, who is an unknown entity to us. She has only now made her introduction to Michael, but we have no idea if she is in danger or not. Michael did shock her the previous night as well. She could be angry about that. To rely on her is to simply have faith that what Baby is telling him is true, and that doesn't seem like a reliable bet. Michael decides to go with Circus Baby's idea. As Michael sets foot in Ballora Gallery, he immediately goes prone in his belly. The floor was decorated in black and white tiles like an old diner, but it felt frigid like ice to the touch. Teddy did not make any sudden noise as he takes his first movements inside the gallery. Michael leaves his flashlight on to give him some visual cues on where to move, as well as possibly spot Ballora. Ballora's eyes are always closed, so he need not worry about where he is positioned or making himself apparent through his sight. Through the darkness, while he could not spot the twirling ballerina, he could hear the melody of her music box in the distance. Michael was in the middle of the lower gallery when he started to hear it, and immediately ceased all movement. He laid still on the floor like a lifeless corpse, praying for the music box to go away. Instead, the Lord simply started to spin around Michael like a shark circling around its next victim. Every once in a while, her silhouette would pass by the glowing light of the break room. As Michael approached, he could It seems you are taking a long time. Please proceed as quickly and as quietly as possible. Okay, you know what? I take it back. Phone guy, I misjudge you. Say what you will about phone guy, but he never, not once, called in the middle of a shift to scream at an employee to do their job. <sighs> Where was I? Ah, right. As Michael began to approach the break room, he spotted a poster in the door leading into it was a Funtime Freddy, and his hand put a bonbon. As he kept crawling and crawling, trying his best to win this patient game of cat and mouse, he could eventually spot the text in the poster as he darted inside the door. Get ready. You may now interface with the breaker control box. Using the interface may disrupt nearby electronics. If you feel you are in danger, feel free to disconnect the interface temporarily until it is safe to reconnect. Michael may have heard those introductions, or just possibly didn't hear them at all. Because once he entered the breaker room, he quickly deduced he was not alone, as a white and pink clown bear with a shiny blue rabbit puppet was standing on a strange makeshift stage tucked away in the corner of the room. And it was staring right at him. Michael, understandably so, decided to get this clearly done so he can get the hell out of here. 
It was a pretty simple fix. Once Michael flipped open the maintenance panel, all he had to do was simply reset the system of various rooms in the underground facility. The problem was, each and every time he fixed a power system, he was creating electrical interference into the area. Hey, boy, boy! I think that's the birthday boy over there! We should go give him a surprise! <laughs> As it turns out, Funtime Freddy is quite agitated at the prospect of electrical currents surging through his body. Now, for perspective, Funtime Freddy is about 6 feet tall, broadly built, and weighs about 350 pounds, but still moved as silently as a mouse scurrying across the road at night. Despite his size, he was quiet. Michael's only aware that he's getting closer because Funtime Freddy turns out to be quite talkative. He speaks with an unhinged personality that is eccentric, but scarily so. I know you're over there somewhere. <laughs> I know you're over there somewhere. Luckily, Michael has a tool at his disposal. Next to the power interface is a simple trigger with the words, press to play mascot response audio. Pressing it activates the Bonnie hand puppet on Freddy's hand which is the ability to soothe Freddy momentarily from his rage. Go back to your stage. Everything is okay. Rage that would immediately be reignited once Michael tried to return power to another part of the facility. Great job. This completes your tasks for the night. Please proceed back through the Ballora Gallery with care, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. As Michael begins to crawl back, he can't help but notice that Ballora isn't circling around anymore. In fact, the music box isn't active at all. The entire gallery is dead. Is someone there? I can hear someone creeping through my room. Perhaps not. As sure as a mouse who escapes the metal trap, so does Michael levade death from Steel Jaws to return back to his domain of popcorn and romantic comedies. But why is he working at Circus Baby still? Why is Circus Baby helping Michael at all? And what secrets still lie buried deep below ground? Stay tuned for the next episode of Into the Night. We would like to take this time to thank all our listeners, who we couldn't possibly do this show without. You are some cool customers, and your kind words always encourage us to get you all more high-quality Finance of Freddy's content. If you'd like to stay up-to-date with our broadcast, be sure to follow or subscribe to not miss a single episode. And subscribe to our fancy social media accounts for updates on the show as well. And as always, I have been Nick Black, and this has been Into the Night. Have a good night, folks.
such as Ballora and Funnite Foxy's starring such as Ballora and Funnite Foxy's staring into the primary control module window at the hand such as Ballora and Funtime Foxy's staring into the primary control module window. This is such a hard sentence to say, holy crap. Such as Ballora and Funtime Foxy's staring into the primary control module window. Wow, that is such a badly written sentence. Why did I write that? <laughs> that is a tongue twister, holy crap. Gosh, I'm including this at the very end of the episode, oh my god. Such as Ballora and Funtime Foxy staring into the primary control module window. God, say that three times fast. Jesus Christ. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.